trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. He has never abandoned his people for millennia, and he won't start with you. No matter how big and bad the bad guy seems, trust in the Lord. At this point in the book of Isaiah, it's become narrative, which is which is pretty cool. When we last tuned into the narrative, we had Joah and Eliakim and Shebna. Think of like King Hezekiah's cabinet. Uh, king Hezekiah is the king of Judah. That's that's God's nation at this point. It's what remains of what was once Israel split into the, the southern kingdom is Judah. The northern kingdom has been conquered by Assyria. Hezekiah is the king. Isaiah is the prophet brought by God to speak wisdom to the kings of Judah. And now Hezekiah is the king. But things are looking pretty bleak. Assyria has been on an undefeated streak, and they've conquered all the fortified cities of Judah, and they're on this, this war path directly to Jerusalem. They've taken Lashish, or Lachish, and that's 30 miles away. So they send this emissary, and he comes claiming to even have been told by the Hebrew God to destroy the city of God. That's interesting. And now Joah and Eliakim and Shebna are going to have this public conversation with this guy, but they're going to tip their cards. They're going to let it be known that they're scared and that they don't trust in the faith of the men who are listening in from the wall. Assyrians spoke a language called Akkadian, and they couldn't really understand that language. But they were also able to speak somewhat of a lingua franca of the day, Aramaic. Aramaic was similar to Hebrew, and it was used in doing business around the region. But you had to be a little bit more educated to know it. And so the thinking was, these guys up on the wall, they don't speak Akkadian, but neither do we. They don't speak Aramaic, but we do. And so if we can get this guy who's threatening us to speak to us in Aramaic, then maybe it won't freak out every troop and send this this like knee-buckling threat, you know, uh, throughout, spreading throughout the whole army, and maybe we'll stand, you know, a fighting chance. So they're going to ask this guy to speak to them in Aramaic, and that's going to massively backfire because they've just indicated to him, we're terrified of you, and we don't want our army to know what you're saying to us right now. So here is Isaiah chapter 36, verse 11. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah, remember that's like the cabinet of King Hezekiah, his, his men, said to the royal spokesman, please speak to your servants in Aramaic since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew uh, within earshot of the people who are on the wall. But the royal spokesman replied, Has my master sent me to speak these words to your master and you and not the men who are sitting on the wall who are destined with you to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? Okay, that's incredibly gross. Let's talk about why. Sieging a city was blockade, blockading it off. You, would, you couldn't get fresh water in. You couldn't get food and supplies in. And so you'd be starved out. It was a brutal but effective tactic of warfare in the ancient world. And so by saying this, he's basically threatening, we're going to lay siege to the city and you're going to, be, you're going to have to resort to the consumption of your own excretor. Now in uh, verse 13, Then the royal spokesman stood and called out loudly in Hebrew, See, they ask for this. They just, they just let him know, we're scared of you. And he's like, great, I'm going to do what scares you. Listen to the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you, for he cannot rescue you. Don't let Hezekiah persuade you to rely on the Lord. Oh, man. Time out. Pause right there. That is huge. All right. Has anybody, is anybody trying to persuade you not to rely on the Lord? Does that not sound like what our culture does to Christians today? Can you relate to that? Seattle Christian, 
Right, is anybody else trying to dissuade you from relying on the Lord? Do you hear now the echoes of the Assyrian emissary? Don't let him, don't let, uh, don't let your own king persuade you uh, to, 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 to trust in the Lord. All right, now here's, here's the remainder of verse 14. He mockingly says, the Lord will certainly rescue us. Okay, watch out for that. Watch out. If, if, if you're also, if you're, if you're a skeptic and you're in the business of mocking God, watch out for that. This city will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Okay, he's, he's, just do, he's doing a mocking impression now of what he thinks King Hezekiah is saying. Don't listen to Hezekiah, for this is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and surrender to me. Does that sound familiar? Do you see the parallels here between modern-day Christians in Seattle and then those who are under siege in Judah by the Assyrians, who just seemed utterly indomitable? The, the, the call is not, it's not a peace that has to do with coexistence. It's a peace that comes under duress by way of threat of annihilation. <laughs> by make peace with me, what he means is surrender to me. And by surrendering to me, what you're really doing is giving up. Right? It's not, you live over there and I'll live over here and this fence will separate us. No, it's make peace with me. And by that, I mean, if you don't, I'll kill you. Make peace with me and surrender to me. That's not peace. That's not what peace is. Don't fall for that Judah and modern day Christian in Seattle. Don't fall for that in the culture wars. Right? You remember how long it wasn't, it was like five minutes ago, they were asking just for tolerance. And now Adoption agencies aren't allowed to function certain ways, and medical professionals are required to administer medication to somebody who's claiming to be a man, even though he isn't. Okay, like it was, it's not actually peace, it's enslavement. That's what they actually are asking for. Then every one of you may eat from his own vine and his own fig tree. Okay, fans of Hamilton will suddenly see how the, the, the uh, founding fathers may not have been perfectly accurate. What they were quoting from was, uh, if this is the reference that the Lin-Manuel uh, Lin Miranda was drawing from, it was actually coming from the mocking diatribe of an Assyrian emissary, uh, and drink water from his own cistern until I come to take you away to a land like your own land. Okay, here comes like the devil's bait that, that conceals the rusty barbed hook. A land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Okay, distinguish this from the land flowing with milk and honey that they were originally promised way back in Joshua. Beware that Hezekiah does not mislead you, saying, the Lord will rescue us. Has any one of the gods of the nations rescued his land from the power of the king of Assyria? He's looking now to his undefeated track record. Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Okay, we actually don't even know where Sepharvaim is. And maybe that's because the Assyrians conquered them. Have they rescued Samaria from my power? Who among all the gods of these lands has ever rescued his land from my power? So will the Lord rescue Jerusalem from my power? All right, well, here's the thing, Sennacherib. Those other cities worshipped false gods. When you've come now to Jerusalem, you come to the city that belongs to the one true God, right? And he has told his people not to fear. He has said what he's going to do to Assyria and what he's going to do to Jerusalem. Assyria is going to be utterly devastated and wiped out, and Jerusalem is going to prosper and thrive. 
that was a cool prophecy when when the 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 people of Judah first heard it, but they're having a hard time holding on to it right now. Okay, can you relate to that? You you remember it, man? Oh, at Bible camp, it was just so cool, and everybody was everybody believed it. And it was just so amazing, but I'm having a hard time really believing it right now. Okay, you can relate to what it was like for ancient Judah under threat of siege from the king of Assyria. And so now it comes time for uh, the king's men to respond. And uh, they're at least going to main, uh, maintain some degree of a poker face. Verse 21, but they, referring to Joah and, uh, and Shebna and Eliakim, kept silent. They didn't say anything, for the king's command was, don't answer him. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, who is uh, or sorry, Hilkiah, I always mispronounce that, my bad, was, was in charge of the palace. Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the court historian, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and reported to him the words of the royal spokesman. So they tried to maintain some dignity, tried to maintain some sense of poker face, and at least adhere to what their king had asked them to do by not giving it away. But evidently behind the scenes, they come in and they tear their clothes. This is, this is a sign of mourning and grieving. They believe that these threats will come to pass. They have forgotten or they didn't listen to what Isaiah had prophesied in just these last couple of devotions. Trust in the Lord. Don't be afraid. He has delivered his people for thousands of years. You're not going to be the first believer in God of the New Testament and the Old Covenant combined who will not experience the faithfulness of God. He will remain faithful to you. You remain faithful to him, even as the threat of siege comes. I'll see you for tomorrow's devotion.